pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. You are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. Let's face it, Martha has a point. She doesn't speak her point out loud the way she does when Luke tells this story of the dinner party at Bethany. In Luke's version, Martha notices Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and she complains, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. In John's Gospel, Martha just acts out her point. Mary goes to the room to get the pound of costly perfume made of pure nard. Martha serves the soup. Mary anoints Jesus' feet. Martha clears the table. Mary wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. Martha wipes the table off with a towel. Martha does not say a word. She doesn't have to say a word. They call it body language for a reason. Lazarus is at the table, too. Lazarus, Martha's brother and Mary's brother, to whom Jesus had arisen, had, had come only four days before and raised him from the dead. On that occasion, the occasion of Lazarus rising from the dead, in that occasion, too, Mary and Martha were contrasted one from another. St. John puts it simply, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, and Mary stayed at home. Of course she did, weeping probably, praying certainly, leaving it to Martha to have the hard work of greeting Jesus and begging for help, leaving the work to Martha as usual. Years ago, before we began to learn better, I heard a professor's wife say of their marriage, I try to carry on all the household duties so that I can release George for higher things. Martha is probably tired of releasing Mary for higher things. And Martha has a point. Day by day, the life of faith depends at least as much on simple service as on extravagant worship. Day by day, what keeps families together is not the big celebrations as much as the daily kindnesses. And what keeps church together is not so much even the splendid services, but the daily service of brother and sister to brother and sister, of friend to friend. Just five days later, Jesus will acknowledge that himself. Mary anointed his feet with perfume and wiped them with her hair, but in just five days he will wash the disciples' feet with water and will dry them with a towel. Nothing flashy, just a gift of complete simplicity, kindness without any astonishing splendor. His one great command, the one command he leaves us in John's Gospel, is simply this, love one another as I have loved you. Not anoint me, not even worship me. Love one another. Usually, Jesus 
preaches a gospel far more about soap and water than about perfume. Martha has a point. What's more, Judas has a point. St. John tries to undercut that point by saying that Judas says what he says only out of selfishness and greed, but however terrible Judas' motive may be, what he says makes a lot of sense. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? The footnote in the study Bible tells us that 300 denarii was about a year's wage for a hard-working person in those days. Mary takes one year's wages worth of perfume and takes it all for her own extravagant show of devotion. Why not tithe it? Why not a little perfume for Jesus and lots of care for those who are in need? This year we celebrate the 500th birthday of John Calvin, who was more of a father in the faith to Episcopalians and to Baptists than we usually admit. He was the most practical of the Reformers, and when he read this text, John Calvin, deeply pious, had to admit that Judas had a point. Jesus defends Mary against Judas, he says, but only because this anointing is for his burial. It's a once and once only occasion. This does not mean, now he sounds like a Presbyterian, this does not mean that elaborate rituals should be used in church. God certainly does not care for external display. Christ approved of the fact that this was done once, but he forbade its repetition. Right worship, however, week after week, always includes alms for the poor. That's Calvin. I serve on the mission committee of the church we attend. Like so many churches, our church budget for this year had to be cut. The job of the mission committee, I hesitate to say this, the job of the mission committee was to speak up for Judas in this little dialogue. In the midst of all the stuff we do for ourselves, the money for worship, the money for music, the money even for preaching, our jobs to say, why isn't more also given to the poor? And just a week after this anointing at Bethany, just a week after and after his crucifixion and after he's risen again, Jesus himself will kind of acknowledge Judas' point. The risen Lord comes to the disciples at the edge of the sea. He calls Peter aside and he says, if you love me, Feed my sheep. Not if you love me, anoint my feet. Not if you love me, practice your anthem. Not if you love me, preach like an angel. If you love me, feed my sheep. Feed them with the word, of course, but feed them with the bread they need as well. Then, in that scene, as now in this scene, Jesus knows that the poor are always with us, and he knows more than that, that faith is always embodied in charity, and that devotion is always made manifest in kindness. Judas has a point. Martha has a point. Judas has a point. Here is what Mary knows. 
Jesus is the point. Leave her alone, says Jesus, explicitly to Judas and implicitly to Martha. Leave her alone. She's doing this for the sake of my burial. You'll always have the poor with you, and you can serve them then, but you will not always have me. Look, he says, of course this is an extravagant gift, but wait six days till Passover, and you will see a gift more extravagant by far. Now it's her perfume poured out for me, then it will be my life poured out for her, for you, for the love of all the world. Look, he says, the poor are always with you, and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, then do please feed my sheep. Look, he says, the reason we speak of daily needs is because we need them every day, and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, by all means, set the table and serve the soup and wash each other's feet. But right here, right now, Prepare for my death for the sake of the world. Right here, right now, think on me. A gift of complete simplicity demanding not less than everything. William Brown teaches Old Testament at Columbia Seminary, and we were talking about this text. He says... He's pretty sure that when John talks about the story of the house at Bethany and the house being filled with the perfume that Mary pours out, that John's reminding his first readers of the tabernacle of Moses at the end of the story of Exodus. So I went to look at the end of the book of Exodus, and I noticed that here when the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle, as the perfume fills the house at Bethany, when the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle, all that Moses can do at that moment is to stand by in wonder and in awe. Then the next day, when the glory departs, then Moses and the people get back to work. They pick up the tabernacle and they continue on their way through the wilderness day by day by day. Martha and Judas want Jesus and Mary just to keep on moving. But Mary knows that for here, for now, she is enveloped in the glory of the Lord, and she stops to give him thanks and praise. This is Holy Week. Week set aside. Week when God's glory fills all saints' church and fills all our lives. Soon, very soon, you will need to serve meals to one another and wash each other's feet. Soon, very soon, you will need to remember the poor. But for here, for now, for just this moment, before Christ will pour out his life for the redemption of the world, just now, remember 
him. What language can I borrow to thank you, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end? Oh, make me thine forever, and should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for thee. To Christ, therefore, be thanks and praise. Amen.